Well, dear congregation, dear friends, I would ask you to please now turn your prayerful attention to that passage of God's holy word that I read to you and you're hearing there in the Gospel of John, the 15th chapter, wishing just for a few moments this evening to first of all ponder that text, I am the true vine, verse 1, where the Lord Jesus says, I am the true vine and my father is the husbandman. But I want to begin by, after there considering the Lord Jesus, and then asking this question in the verse 6. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. And men gather them and cast them into the fire. John 15 verse 6. Christ, of course, is calling himself here the true vine. We'll think about that this evening. What does that mean? There may be people here this night who are not saved. And what is the Lord Jesus Christ meaning by all this language? All this, perhaps you think, is strange language. And then we'll think about verse 6. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. And men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. Destruction. And we know the Bible is very clear that a man does not lose his salvation. But the question must be asked, are we abiding in Christ? Have we ever abided in Christ? Are we are the Lord's or not? What is this branch? Christ is, of course, the branch of righteousness, but he is describing himself here as the vine. Maybe we'll ask the question here of ourselves tonight, as we look at the verse 6, will I be cast into the lake of fire? Will I be burned? Will I see destruction? Now, there are many who abide in a church, many who go to church services, many have a, have a knowledge of the Lord. And many will say, Lord, Lord, we did this in thy name, that in thy name. And he will say, depart from me, I never knew you. We want to think what it really means to abide in Christ tonight as we look at the verse 6. And we could use this verse 6 as a text to address those who know nothing of Christ. They have a we could say, a superficial attachment to Christ. They never really did abide. For the man that is in Christ will always be in Christ. But our hearts are so deceptive, my friends, we might imagine ourselves to be abiding in Christ, but we never did abide in Christ. Now, I must say at the outset, John chapter 15, let us make very plain, very clear who the Lord Jesus Christ is addressing he is addressing his disciples. We should know very clearly. For in John chapter 14, he begins to tell his disciples in verse 1, Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. At this very hour, he began to wash his disciples' feet. And uh, Peter is there and the other disciples and uh, he has just said in verse 38 of chapter 13, Verily, he's saying to Peter, 
Verily, that, what does he say? I say unto thee, the cock shall crow, how many times? Three times, till thou hast denied me thrice. Peter would deny the Lord. This is that night where the disciples are sitting down, and the Lord Jesus has instituted the Lord's Supper, and he's told them, that one will betray him, and of course that will be Judas. But the disciples too, the shepherd will be struck, as it is written in Zechariah, and the sheep will be scattered. Christians stumble, they fall, they all do. Peter fell, Peter stumbled, but he didn't fall away. The Christian will fall, and he will stumble, and never gives us excuse to sin. But there are those you imagine themselves to be in the vine, but they're not in the vine. Christ is the vine. And he speaks of his disciples as the branches. But some, as I said, have a, a mere superficial attachment to Jesus Christ. And we could put it this way, as we will see. There are many parables which describe, we thought last week, Certainly how even in Psalm 1, the righteous are pictured as a tree that is beside the living waters. We will also think tonight of that passage in Zechariah chapter 3, where Joshua the high priest is pictured as a brand plucked from the burning. By nature, as it were, we're all kind of branches, branches that are meant to bear fruit whether you are a believer or not. God has given you a body. And in that body is a soul, my friends. And as it were, the body is on rent. It's on rent. God has given us a body, has made us in his image. But what have we done with our lives? We have many pictures, many analogies in the scripture. Luke chapter 13. The Lord describes Israel as that tree, that fig tree, that was digged around even and compost put around it and tended. And for three years there was no fruit. And that spoke really with regards to the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, ministering to Israel, ministering to the people, and yet there was no fruit of repentance. And the Lord finally says, cut it down. One day, everyone who does not abide in Christ will be cut down. We read the text, verse 6. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. And men gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. Now I say on clear authority of God's word. The Lord Jesus says, All that the Father gives me shall come to me, and he that cometh unto me I shall in no wise cast out. And the Lord Jesus has even said in this chapter here, I chose you, you didn't choose me, but I have chosen you to bear fruit. We thought this afternoon in the address of the doctrine of predestination. God chooses a man 
Not because he foresees any good thing in him. But he chooses him for those whom God foreknew he predestinated. Romans 8 verse 30. And those whom he predestinated, we're told, he also called. And those whom he called, it says there, he justified. And all those whom he justifies, he shall glorify. So from beginning to end, salvation is entirely of God. It's an unbreakable chain of five. But we must ask the question, as verse 6 comes to us this evening, what is the Lord Jesus speaking about? Is he saying that a man can lose salvation? That a man is a true branch belonging to the true vine? And then, well, he can fall away because he sins so much. Well, no, never. The Bible doesn't teach that. But the Bible does teach us to examine whether we are in the faith, whether we have been born again, and I want us to think about this here tonight. The first thing I want us to think about is this very simple yet succinct statement of the Lord Jesus where he says, I am the true vine. Let us think on that just for a moment. These are one of the great I am statements. There are seven of them. Seven great I am statements, just like there are Seven statements of the Lord Jesus there upon the cross. And we'll look at them sometime. We've seen them with the young people. But the great I am statements, of course, we know, do we not, from Exodus chapter 3. It was God speaking in that burning bush to Moses and said to Moses, go and tell the people, I am has sent you. And then remember the Lord Jesus in John 8 said to the people in his day, said to the Jews, before Abraham was, I am. And here, I am the true vine. And then, the I am, as we'll see, and uh, one, of the, one of the I ams is, I am come that they may have life. Now, that's not bad English. I am come. We, we wouldn't speak like that today, would we? We wouldn't say, I am come. He is saying that I am the great I am. I am the almighty. I am the self-existing. I am Jehovah, the self-existing God. And here I am the true vine. And we'll think on that just in a moment. But let's just look at these, think about these I am statements. I'm the bread of life that was the first he gives John 6, verse 48, I am the bread of life. Your father had manna in the wilderness, and the manna came from heaven, but I am the true bread that has come down from heaven. It was the first I am we find in the Gospel of John. And then John 9, 5, remember he said to those buzz-eyed religious hypocrites who said to the blind man, that he was born in sin. Of course, they were too. We are all born in sin. And uh, they come quizzing him. Who has made you to see? Well, he said, I don't know. But one thing I know, I was blind, but now I see. And then, of course, the Lord Jesus comes to him. 
And the Lord said, I am the light of the world. In that passage, John 9, 5. The Pharisees were blind, spiritually blind. The Lord Jesus is the light of the world. And he lights a man's soul. He comes to give light and life. And then we have that famous statement in John 11, 25. I am the resurrection and the life. Remember Martha and Mary and Lazarus. The Lord Jesus said, come forth, Lazarus. He came forth. But he gives life. And then John 10, 11. John, sorry, John 10, verse 7. He says there, I am the door of the sheep. And then he says in that chapter as well, he says in verse 11, I am the good shepherd. It's another great I am. And then John 14, we see it there. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Now this is the final I am. And it's just before he, the next day, will go to the cross and suffer. So this term, I am, is a very important uh, matter, isn't it? I am. I am the self-existent God. Before Abraham was, I am. Now he says, I am the true vine. Now what does he mean by the vine? Well, we've seen it just recently in Isaiah chapter 5, haven't we? How the Lord said that Israel, the people of Israel, were meant to be a vineyard. And just turn back there. You've seen it in Isaiah 5, 1. Now I will sing to my well-beloved a song to my beloved touching his vineyard. My well-beloved hath a vineyard in a very fruitful hill. The Lord put the people there, didn't he, in Canaan, which was to be Israel one day. And he fenced it and gathered the stones thereof and planted it within the choicest vine. And built a tower in the midst of it and also made a wine press therein. And he looked that it should bring forth grapes, but it brought forth wild grapes. And then we're told in verse 7 of Isaiah 5, for the vineyard of the Lord of the hosts is the house of Israel. The people who had the law, who had the testimony, who had the ark, who had the covenants, and all of these promises, who had the law, they were meant to bear fruit, but they didn't. All they did bring forth was thorns. And that which was a curse. But he says, I am the true vine. In other words, what Israel failed to do. And we could even say, even what Adam failed to do. Adam was meant not merely to till the garden, but his whole life was to be lived to the glory of God. He was made in the image of God. And because Adam fell, and all that have come from Adam are just like him, sinners, we all fall. Adam is, you could picture him, what was he? Fruitless. Lies proceeding from his mouth and his wife's mouth after the fall. The first child born to them, Cain, a murderer. And what has there been? The thorns and thistles of sin in this world ever since. Yes, that's man. A man does not bear fruit unto God. He lives for himself. He saps, as it were, every hour that he's given to live and never lives 
and bears fruit unto God. We read, don't we, in Romans 7, how those who are called Christians, Christ died for them, that they might live unto him and to bear fruit unto God. That's the work of God. And Christ is that second Adam. And there is only life, my friend, in Jesus Christ. When I mean life, I don't just mean a pumping heart, pumping blood, but I mean a heart beating for God, and a heart loving God, and a heart serving God, and any hope for heaven. Everything is lost in Adam. We inherit Adam's sin, and we are born sinners like Adam. And a man must be taken out of Adam, as it were, and put into Christ. He must be born again, born of the Spirit, made new. And he abides in Christ. Man looks away from himself. If you look at the text here, if a man abides, not in me, you begin to abide. There's a moment in time where you, you jettison yourself from the world and from your heritage and from everything in this world. And this world becomes nothing to you. And you say, give me Christ or I die. Lord, give me salvation or I perish. Lord, give me forgiveness of my sins or I go to a lost eternity. What is man? The scriptures say all the ways of a man are clean in his own eyes. But the Lord weigheth the spirit of a man. As he weighed your spirit, we find ourselves like Belshazzar, found in the balances and wanting. My friend, the wages of sin is death. And if you do not Abide in Christ. If you do not see him to be that source and hope for eternal life, you have no hope at all. You're a lost man. You're trusting in your own life. You're trusting in your works like Cain. The Lord will receive me by something I can give him. Abel, very different. Abel, trusting in that blood. You see, one had to die in order to give life. This very one speaking here is the very creator of the universe, the very creator of the world. God is speaking in verse 5, and he says, I am the true vine. He who is light, he who is the light of the world, became as it were, a branch. We read in Isaiah many and many occasion how the Lord Jesus is called the branch. That stem from Jesse, Isaiah 53. We have a wonderful text there. God promised, if you just turn there, Isaiah 53. God promised in Isaiah 53, Who hath believed our report? 
To whom is the arm of the Lord revealed, or the strength of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of dry ground. Dry ground. The barrenness of man. Jesus Christ, my friend, came from the barrenness of man. But what did God do? How did God make this vine to come into existence? Well, Mary was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she bore that who is Emmanuel. And God was manifest in the flesh so that he would become man. What we have in Christ are two natures, fully God and fully man. Fully God and fully man. And here he is, the vine, come to do what Israel has failed to do. Come to do what Adam has failed to do. Come to do what every man boy, girl, and woman born of Adam has failed to do, to live and to bear fruit. His whole life was full of fruit. He came under the law, perfectly fulfilled the law of God, and the voice of God came down from heaven, at least on two occasions that we know of. John chapter 12, we'll read, there was a voice from heaven, even in the synagogue, even in the temple. This is my beloved son. And then even at his baptism. And then also there on that Mount of Transfiguration, that voice. He is the one, the branch who's come from David, the offspring of David, the promised seed of the woman. This is marvelous. And he is that vine, that vine that connects Men to God, as it were. The one who is life. We're told in Proverbs 12, 12, the root of the righteous yieldeth fruit. And there is only one righteous. Truly, the Lord Jesus. Now, it's also interesting here, Israel knew this. And surrounding the temple in the days here of Herod, and this is the great temple, was a golden vine all the way around the temple. Josephus, or Flavius Josephus, writes, he's a well-known historian, he describes it, he says, the gate opening into the building was, as I say, completely overlaid with gold, and was the whole wall around it. It had, moreover, above it, those golden vines, says Flavius Josephus, from which depended grape clusters as tall as a man. So all the way around. So as they looked at it, it was a reminder of what Israel were meant to be. And remember the Lord Jesus said, destroy this temple and I will raise it in three days. He is that very vine. He is that very life. And of course, the wages of sin is death. If he ever sinned, there would be no, eter no eternal life. No hope but in Christ. What did he say in John 8.49? I honor my Father. What a statement. Could you and I ever say that even of our earthly father? <laughs> oh, how I dishonored my father and mother and superiors. He could say, I honor my father, even his earthly father. 
Imagine that, even submitted to earthly parents. But of course not to sin. But it's amazing. He, Hupatasso, he came under even them. That's amazing. Well, the Lord Jesus is that vine, always bearing fruit unto God. He is that branch of righteousness which Isaiah speaks of. John says, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. Life is in the sun. Now, this is where we must begin, friend. What say you of Christ? And what think you of Christ? You look at your life, you look at all others around here. You must say of us, rightly so, we're sinners. But what think ye of Christ? That's the test. That's the test, isn't it? No ordinary man. But here's another thing. I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. And then he says here in verse 6, If a man abide not in me. But it's not just abiding. What does that mean? It means to abide in his word. Have you ever begun to receive his word? Because remember what the Lord Jesus Christ said, He that receiveth me and my word, and my word, is blessed. The man that does not receive the word of Christ knows nothing of Christ. And we live in a day and age when many people know the name of the Lord Jesus in churches, but they know nothing of his word and they, they don't want to know his word. They want to know an all-forgiving and an all-receiving Lord Jesus, an all-accommodating Lord Jesus, a Lord Jesus that accepts their sin and will not have them change. Well, the Lord Jesus must have it his way. And those that abide in him will bear fruit. And the first fruit is this, repentance. There can be no following unless there is a turning, my friend. To repent, I'm sad to say, is so poorly taught today. People think it just means, well, I'm sorry. Like the little boy that has been uh, rather naughty in the home and disobedient to the parents. And he has no intention of obeying his parents, but he just says sorry because he wants to go out and play. He's not really sorry. Could care less that he's offended his mom and dad. There's no sorrow. There's no grief in the heart. And there's no desire to do the right thing. You see, to abide in him is firstly to receive his law. It's by his law that cometh the knowledge of sin. And it's a law that is good. The Bible says the law is good and just and holy. And it puts us in our place. It condemns us. It tells us we're no good. We're for the burning. Cursed is every man that continueth not in the law. To do it. Burning. The wages of sin. Is death. But this one my friend. This one who is the true vine. 
You can imagine we look at a dead branch. What's it good for? For nothing. It's good for the burning. No life in it. But not him. He in whom there was no impurity. He who was sustaining the world was, as it were, torched with an immense divine wrath on the cross. The scriptures say God spared not his son, but delivered him up. He in whom is life, his life was cut off from the land of the living, we're told. He who has power over the world was cut off, Isaiah says. For the transgression of my people was he cut off, bearing their iniquities. And they receive that. Have you ever begun to abide in this one? Let me ask you. You can't abide in him unless you see that you are a worthless branch. You try to, some people try to, to just add the Lord Jesus to their lives as if they're a good green branch that can bear fruit. Well, I just need the Lord Jesus to do a little better in my life. So I'll, I'll add him to my life. I'm a green branch. I'm productive. Oh, I'll just take a few of the learnings of Christ and adapt them to my life. My friend, he who loses his life, for Christ will find it. Unless you see you're a dead branch and that you're, you're destined for hell, you can have nothing to do with Christ. No hope. You must see yourself as a dead branch. And we have a wonderful picture if you just turn with me to Zechariah, chapter 3. Yes, a brand plucked from the burning. You ever seen yourself to be deserving of God's burning, friend? Well, here, Joshua the high priest saw himself this way. And that's how God presented himself. Uh, or Zechariah. Joshua the high priest, exactly what he was. Zechariah 3, 1. And he showed me Joshua, verse 1. The high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord. You know, you, sometimes the angel of the Lord is a theophany, a pre-incarnate appearance of the Lord Jesus. And here we believe this to be the case. He showed me Joshua the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan standing at his right hand to resist him. And the Lord said unto Satan, The Lord rebuke thee, O Satan. Even the Lord that hath chosen Jerusalem rebuke thee. Is not this a brand, speaking of Joshua the high priest, plucked out of the fire? Now Joshua, notice, was clothed with filthy garments, stood before the angel, Here's a picture. The high priest, you would normally have clean God. Normally have a fair mitre on his head. Holiness to the Lord. But here he is pictured. His robes filthy. 
And he's standing before the angel of the Lord. Before the God of heaven, as it were even. How can this sinner stand? And there is Satan, the accuser. Of course, Satan, his right in a sense. How can this dirty, filthy sinner stand before the angel of the Lord? How can he? The accuser. That's who Satan is. He tempts. And then when a man sins, he accuses a man of sin. But God has an answer for him. What is the answer? Look at the verse. And he answered and spake unto those that stood before him, saying, Take away the filthy garments from him. And unto him he said, Behold, I have caused thine iniquity or thy sin to pass from thee, and I will clothe thee with a change of raiment, a change of clothing. This filthy sinner priest like all, God says, I'm going to deal with his iniquity. I'm going to cause his iniquity, it says there, to pass from him. How? He'll do it in one day. One day. Notice verse 5, and he said, let them set a fair mitre on his head. So they set a fair mitre upon his head. The priest, of course, wore a mitre. And put on him new garments, and the angel of the Lord stood by. Silent. Satan is silent now. He can't speak. And the angel of the Lord protested unto Joshua, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, If thou wilt walk in my ways, and if thou wilt keep my charge, then thou shalt also judge my house, and shalt keep my courts. Now notice, come down to verse 8. Hear now, O Joshua the high priest, and thy fellows. This is really precious. Look, notice verse 8. And sit before thee, for they are men wandered at. For behold, I will bring forth my servant, the branch. And notice, it's all in capitalization here. Capital letters referring to the divinity of this branch. I will bring my servant, the branch. For behold, the stone. He is that stone. Stone of stumbling, of course. That I have laid before Joshua. Upon one stone shall seven eyes. Behold, I will engrave the graving thereof. And notice, and I will remove the iniquity in one day. One day. When was that? Calvary. One day. The sin taken away. And what was Joshua the high priest? A brand, a branch for the burning. But how was he saved? By the branch, this divine branch. My friend, you see yourself to be as Joshua. All even your righteousnesses as filthy rags. My, you could even be a priest that will not hold you in any stead. There's only one priest that saves. One high priest. That's the Lord Jesus. The, the branch that suffered. Have you begun to abide in him? In that way, look at verse 6 again. If a man abide not in me. You see, it's not simply believing about the Lord Jesus, but it's believing on him. It's trusting in him, his merit, his righteousness, the hope of heaven. There is Joshua, the high priest, and there is Satan accusing him, rightly so. 
And now, my friend, I tell you, if you have not Christ, Satan stands and he's right. You're a condemned man. You're a condemned person. See Adam and Eve despairing, running in the garden away from God. And there are many who run away. But God comes calling. Adam, where art thou? And the Lord has many Adams to call. And he calls them. And they come and they hear of this one who would be made the branch, the branch of righteousness, who is the vine, who bears fruit unto God. And they abide, first of all, by this, he says, repent and believe ye the gospel. The man turns from his sin. He says, this life of sin is filthy. I don't want it. It's unclean. It's dead. I'm as dead wood. The world is like a barren Egypt. A lifeless world. No life, no love for God. Look at the people today. They're in the shopping malls. Years ago, people would be found in churches worshipping the Lord. People are taken up with their television sets and football and the Super Bowl and all kinds of things all over the world. Men don't honor God on this day, and they are going to be burned. They've lived on God's earth like trees, but they've never, never, ever abided in Christ. In fact, they've used his name as a swear word, a curse word. They hate him. They hate this idea of repenting. What, me repent? I'll not grovel to God. I'm not going to grovel. I'm not going to beg. Well, you'll burn. You'll perish. If a man, a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. And men gather them and cast them into the fire. And they are burnt. We read in the book of the Revelation that men will be cast into the lake of fire and their torments will go up forever and forever and forever and forever. There is no rest for the wicked, says the Lord. There is the troubled sea even now while they live. Solomon says there's madness in their hearts while they live. What are you living for, friend? What can this life give you anyway but misery? You're thinking about the future, that career, that job. Well, what is it? Your money won't bring you pleasure. And a worldly family won't bring you pleasure. It'll only bring you trouble. You'll have a wife or a husband that doesn't love the Lord. And all you'll have is trouble in this world. And then you'll go to a worse world. The world of darkness. That does not know Christ. If a man abide in me. Now, again, I must say abide. Because there are many superficial hearers. Think of the parable there of the sower. There are many that receive the word anon gladly. 
They received the word. But then, after a little while, when the trials and the difficulties and the riches of the world come, they know more. Why? Because the word was never received in the heart. It was received in the head. No transformation. No good soil. No broken heart. You see, it's the Lord that prepares the soil. Oh, my friend. Every branch that bears not. And we're all branches. But the question is, are you in Christ? Or are you in Adam? As Adam was before the Lord called him. Lost. Lost without hope? Will you be burning? Hell be an awful eternity. He is cast into the fire and is burnt. Well, another thing is, you abide in his word. Many people are what we would call fair-weather Christians. They're not really Christians. They're Christians when things are going well. You know who the real Christians are? When trouble comes, they draw near. They may draw away for a while, but they do draw near again. Because they realize that in the trials of their life, God will work that trial. That their roots, as it were, go deeper into the vine. And God will work, as we have even read here, he will allow pruning. Those who the Lord loves, he chastens. And why does he prune? So that we bear more fruit. We who are Christians. That we're more fruitful. That we're less attached to this world. And that we're more attached and dependent upon Christ. It's interesting how all these things are connected. He says, As the Father has loved me, verse 9, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. And he, he says how you continue in his love. What, what does it mean to abide in him? If you keep my commandments. You see, you, you can't abide in his love. You can't say you're loving him and not keeping his commandments. You're not earning his love here, by the way. But you're showing your love and your affection. And you, you're understanding that you realize that life comes real life. Remember what he said, I am come. The I am that has come to give life and to give life in abundance is the I am who gave the commandments. And the commandments for our good that are not grievous to us. You see, if you abide not in him, you abide not in his word. Blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness. And blessed are they that hunger for his word. Are you abiding in his word? Or at least are you beginning to read it? There's a time when the, the person begins to read the word. And begins to be changed. I think I mentioned a few weeks ago the, the lady who was involved in some terrible immoral sin in her life. Her mother died and she was carrying on in this terrible sin. 
And she tried to look for a loophole how she could have her sin and yet be a Christian. And she began to read the Word over two years. And as she began to read the Word, the Word began to change her. She stopped looking for loopholes. She stopped looking for a way out. She said, this is the way. This is the life I want. I am made in the image of God. How can I do this? She saw the sin was so wrong. My, that's a testimony of the word abiding in a soul and the life being changed by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the word abiding. And a word to the Christians tonight. Every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it. Well, don't always think that sometimes the pruning of the Lord is the Lord's chastening. It says every branch that beareth fruit, you are bearing fruit. And the Lord wants to see more fruit in you, child of God, for your good. This is how we treat our trees, the apple tree or whatever. We prune it so that it bears more. How we need it. But I exhort you tonight, have you begun to abide in Christ? If not, you're abiding in self. You're abiding in the world. What are you abiding in? The television this last week? The radio? All kinds of other things? Who are your friends? God's people abide together. They abide amongst believers, but they especially abide in Christ. They abide in his word. They love to talk about Christ. Let us not fool ourselves. Let us ask the question, who and what are we abiding in? If we abide not in Christ, we'll be damned. If we abide in him, we shall be blessed. Blessed is the man who abides in Christ. Cursed is the man that abideth not in him and his word. Amen.